seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Hello there, and welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name is Christopher Brown. Today I want to talk to you about Nightmare Maker. Now, Nightmare Maker is one of the films that surprises by falling into the lost classic category. Originally looking like a standard psycho clone, or perhaps a bit like Mummy Dearest, or whatever happened to Baby Jane, the film starts to examine bleaker themes of incest and homophobia, revealing that there is more than one monster who are willing to destroy lives in this piece. Yes, okay, it is exploitation. And yes, it's rather bizarrely is directed by the bloke who made I Love Lucy. But there is little more to this story than just a B-movie serial killer film. So shocking, so terrifying, so powerful. Night Warning has been named Best Horror Film of the Year by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy and Horror. Billy and Julie, young, innocent, in love. It was all a mistake. They didn't go looking for trouble. They were just too curious. Without knowing, they've uncovered a deadly secret. By accident, they've stumbled onto a grisly murder. Now, they know too much to live. Chilling tale of a young boy and girl, innocent victims, now targets of a frenzied obsession with murder. See the award-winning Night Warning. Better known as Night Warning, originally titled Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker, as well as Mama's Boy, Thrill to Death and The Evil Protégé, this is a 1982 exploitation horror film directed by William Asher. It was nominated for a Saturn Award for the Best Horror Movie of 82 by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy and Horror. Its subject matter is heavily deals with homophobia, incestuous feelings, and is considered by some to be a bit of a riff on Oedipus. The movie tells the story of a big police detective who's played by Bo Svensson, um, called Joe, who leads him to try and frame a high school basketball player called Billy, who's played by Jimmy McNichol, uh, for the murder of a TV repairman. He believes that it's part, it's because of a, a gay love triangle between the TV repairman the uh, the young rising seven sixteen seventeen year old basketball star and his coach. 
unknown to the detective, it's actually Billy's aunt, Cheryl, who's rather wonderfully played by Susan Terrell, who is the real killer. And not only that, she harbors incestuous feelings towards Billy for years and um, wants to do a little bit more than just look after him. Billy's auntie Cheryl is his only guardian after his um, his parents are killed in a, a uh, in a car crash, and his impending graduation and likely move away towards um, a life in Denver with his girlfriend at university has um, brought to the front Cheryl's homicidal urges. Joe's continued plaguing of Cheryl is a catalyst to the point that she becomes progressively more unstable and jeopardises the lives of everyone around her. And obviously, as you probably guessed, there's secrets in the basement and uh, violence galore at the end. Well, I was coming up the back stairs and I heard some voices in the kitchen. So I looked through the window. And then I seen this guy hunch over my aunt. So I, I went in to help her. To help her. That's very good, Billy. That's very good, Billy. That's exactly word for word what you told me before. Did she help you memorize all that? No. Did she? Come on, tell me the truth, son. Did she? No. You stupid bully! He's telling the truth! Why are you doing this to us? Because there's a dead man lying up there, and I want to know why he died. I killed him! He tried to rape me! If it's a hollering contest you want, you're sure as shit gonna lose. Be nice to me, lady. He tried to rape me. I disagree. I suppose one of the things that's very noticeable about the film is the fact that it's directed by William Asher. Asher... Uh, worked moved to California in 1948 to direct a, direct a film called Leather Gloves, which was a low-budget movie. And he gravitated towards television, which was then at that time a new medium, and got a job writing short story fillers for various programs. Evolved into a series called Little Theatre. This resulted in receiving a contract with Columbia to work on a musical film for Harry Cohen. Asher worked for CBS Studios uh, in 52 to direct Our Miss Brooks, uh, which is like a TV musical. And um, Asher went on to direct uh, 110 of, I, of, of the 179 episodes of I Love Lucy. Asher later commented that even though the creators knew the show was good, they did not believe it would become an American icon. When we did the show, we thought, that's it, we're done with it. We never dreamed it would last this long. Lucille Ball obviously was one of TV's true pioneers. Asher was considered a, uh, a real wonder kid for TV. Um, and writer-producer William Frog described Asher as a um, hyphenate of a different scri- scri- uh, stripe, a director-producer. Commenting that he is one of a restless Hollywood professionals who, like nomads, drifted from job to job, always delivering competent, if not inspired, work. He also directed episodes of the Colgate Comedy Hour 
uh, Make Room for Daddy, and The Twilight Zone. Um, the one that sticks in is uh, Mr. Beavis from season one. That's the story of a guardian angel who um, changes a man's life, basically, there by uh, by mucking about with it. Uh, but he also directed things like The Dukes of Hazard, Alice, Patty Duke Show, Gidget. <clears throat> he was a friend of uh, John F. Kennedy, and together Frank Sinatra planned Kennedy's 1961 inauguration. He's probably best known, though, for Bewitched, which he produced for its entire eight-year run. And at that time, he was married to the show star, Elizabeth Montgomery. They divorced soon after the series' cancellation in 1972. And yeah, he did direct some films. Uh, Muscle Beach Party, Bikini Beach, Beach Blanket Bingo. Um, television historian Wheeler Dixon suggests that the Beach Party films were not only visions of paradise for the audience, but also for Asher. He used them to create a fancy world to replace his own troubled childhood. See, Asher's parents divorced when he was 11, resulting in his return to New York with his mother. He later recalled that his period was filled with turmoil, as his mother was abusive and an alcoholic. As a result of having to live in New York with his mother, he dropped out of school and served in the, as an army signal corp during the Second World War. Also, I don't think it's a, a massive leap to suggest that there's um, the thing that probably drew him to this project might have been a reflection from his own from his from his broken childhood, um, the uh, the single parent raising a uh, raising a child and uh, not being able to keep it together is uh, it seems to parallel his own you know his own childhood. Oh, obviously, nothing to the extremes that um, that are seen in this film. Speaking of his work later on, he said, When I look back at my own work, Bewitched Days with me the most, and Lucy, and the Beach Party pictures. The scripts of the Beach Party films were sheer nonsense, but they were fun and positive. When kids see the films now, they can get an idea of what the 60s were like. The whole thing was a dream, of course, but it was a nice dream. Coach Landers teach you those? Yeah. Doesn't it bother you that he's a fag? Come Tell me, Ben, are you a fag? No. I'm going to ask you again. Keep in mind that it pisses me off when people lie to me. Are you a fag? You're crazy. Phil Brody. Remember him? The man that got wasted here? Well, he was a fag. And it doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense for a fag to be raping your aunt. Now, does it? What does make sense is if you are a fag, too. Now, I'm just postulating. But I believe that you and Phil Brody were having a lover's quarrel. And the thing got a little out of hand. And your aunt walked in and saw you with a knife in your hand and decided to take the rap. Isn't that the way it happened, ma'am? You filthy pig! You think you got it all figured out, don't you? Well, you're wrong! Now, Nightmare Maker is probably, well, as well as probably better than better known from as being called Night Warning in the US, it's really got a fantastic cast. Uh, most notably, you have um, for example, you've got Susan Tyrrell, who plays the uh, the unhinged auntie. 
is really, really the most striking thing in it. She's obviously having an absolute fucking whale of a time acting up. She made her film debut in Shootout as a, um, a performance as Omer in John Hudson's Fat City brought her a 1972 Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress. Apparently, um, she was prepared for that role by being taken on a drunk fuel tour, drug, drink, sorry, drink fuel tour of Northern California, during which time she took a full advantage of the opportunities offered by the casting couch. I can't describe to you how horrible it was. Goddamn bastard. I still hate him. Um, Tyrrell played Solly, a, uh, a tough foul-mouthed lesbian, both... 1980s cult films Angel and Avenging Angel. In 85, she played the role of Celine in Paul Verhoeven's adventure film Flesh and Blood and was in Joan Waters' classic Cry Baby as Ramona Ricketts. She worked up to her, to her early death at the age of 67, appearing in things like um, Anonymous, uh, The Devil's Due at Midnight, and um, Kid Thing, which was her last role. And she's also a composer as well, who created the song Witch's Egg in Forbidden Zone, in which she starred, which was a that low-budget film done by Richard Elfman. And of course, we've got Bo Svensson in there as well, playing our, um, playing our homophobic copper. Uh, in the 1960s, Bo appeared in the TV series Here Comes the Brides as Lumberjack Chaff, Big Swede Gustafson. He was uh, Lawman Buffett Pusser from Joe Don Baker in, uh, Walk and, in the Walk and Tour sequels. And, um, and he also appeared in that role as in the TV series as well. He is probably last seen for many as uh, he gets a cameo in Tarantino's *Inglorious Bastards* uh, as a tribute to his own role in uh, in the in the original version of that film. And of course, we've got Bill Paxton in there as well for the eagle eyes spot. And he plays one of the baseball, uh, bas- sorry, basketball players who um, bas- who basically just rage <laughs> at Billy. Uh, and he's the one who gets into a fight with him at the uh, once the the news of of of, of one character's of the the coach's homosexuality comes out and he, and he backs him. Obviously, Bill Paxton known for all sorts of films: Apollo thirteen, Twister, Aliens, uh, True Lies, Titanic, uh, Big Love. You know, I mean, he's always been busy. Hello there, welcome back. You've been sleeping on and off for fourteen hours. Where am I? Remember I told you the attic could make a nice little apartment for you? Well, you like? I guess so. I knew you'd be thrilled. What happened at the game? Honey, you slipped or something. You had a nasty fall. Hit your head hard. What time is it? It's noon. Where do you think you're going, young man? School. I promised I'd meet Julie by one o'clock. Did anybody call? No, no one called. You stay right here. You don't want to go back there anyway, Billy. You've learned enough. Besides, it's book, perverts. You stay here with me. I'll teach you things. <laughs> 
It's a little bit of trivia for you as well. Um, the uh, scene at the beginning with the uh, the car crash and the, the timber going through the guy's window, very spectacular scene, quite out of character to the rest of the movie. That's because it's directed by uh, Jan de Bont, who was the, well, the cinematographer for Die Hard and Hunt for Red October, and later on uh, really showed his uh, ability with action, um, directing Speed and uh, Twister and uh, Lara Croft uh, 2 as well, the, the sequel to that the first one with um, Angelina Jolie. There's a bit of interesting trivia that's on the IMDb which I don't think is true. It says, Although no one involved in the film's creative process has ever given an on-record interview about the genesis of the movie, it apparently began as a novel. A book released around the same time as the movie under the title Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker is far more complex than the simple novelization. It includes vivid physical descriptions of the characters that, offer, that often differ greatly from the actors' on-screen appearance, as well as in-depth backstories for several characters, including secretary characters who receive little screen time. The book also leaves it a mystery until far later in the narrative as to what happened to Billy's parents, and also continues on past the movie's ending, wrapping up the stories of several characters whose fates are not addressed in the film's epilogue. Now, no, that's not uncommon for novelizations to do that. A lot of the reason for that is it's obviously taken originally from scripts that are being rewritten. The reason why I think possibly in the not because the novel it did come out around the same time. It's right. In fact, the film probably premiered before the novelization was released, and, and, and the original title was Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. And the reason why I don't think that the um, the book was kind of was first is the fact that it was a, the book was written by two people, which insinuates that that, that that's a story by credit, which who have never written anything else, which makes you think they're non plumes and are probably non plumes for the people who actually wrote the story in the first place. So. My feeling is, I mean, it isn't uncommon for novelizations, but to, to have additional characters and stuff. And although maybe this is a rather extreme version, the um, the, the script would be so lightweight uh, if you didn't have additional stuff that it wouldn't be enough to get a book out of it. And I think, I think that's fair. So that, that's my feeling. If anyone knows for sure, disagrees with me, that's great and let me know and I'll amend this. But that, that, that's what I think from it. The movie was released on Atlas in April 83, and the film made the list of banned films by November of the same year. It was dropped from the list in December 85. It was actually submitted to the BBFC in 1987 with cuts as the evil protege, but was banned again. Uh, and has never been resubmitted, so it remains on the ban list. Now for me that's a real shame. It's not a spectacular film by any stretch, but certainly from the shape of, you know, from a lot of other slashes, it really doesn't, um, you know, a lot of slashes on this list even, it does actually do a little bit more to try and catch the imagination than most. And yeah, it's not perfect. Um, I mean, that, that Jean de Mont scene is fantastic. It looks great, and then it just goes so far as to actually blow up the car at the end of the <laughs> at the end of this huge crash, which is down of that old chestnut, you know. Um... I think as well the, the 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 violence is 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 well executed. Um, it does go over the top. Uh, Aunt Cheryl's madness is really really 
like there's a, she is proper crazy by the end of it and there isn't you know like when everything starts getting revealed you're like my god jesus it's quite quite extreme to the length she went to she was she was a little bit bit more than just unhinged she was totally totally mad so it's a it's a good story it's a well made film and it's uh, i think it's a real shame that it's still not available on dvd um particularly when we talk about say like the film that we had last week which was um night school and that that is available on dvd certainly in the u.s anyway um i think there'd be an audience certainly for those that have more in, have more interest in slightly more unusual films from the period that 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 would do i think they would be certainly enjoy it to an extent got a cracking bit of feedback as well from rob wilson hey chris guess i had a few things to say about this one watch 1982's night warning aka butcher baker nightmare maker or nightmare maker over a week ago hope my mind didn't screw up the details the movie focuses on uh, focuses on billy played by jimmy mcnichol a high school senior uh, excited about his chances at a basketball scholarship this whips his aunt cheryl played by susan tyrrell into a frenzy aunt cheryl's been taking care of billy since he was a baby billy's parents were killed in an auto accident at this point aunt cheryl's fears of being alone completely take over her goal is to keep billy at the house quickly involves murder Billy must now deal with the police who think he may have killed a man. This movie made it onto the video nasties list. I'm guessing showing Billy's death scene raised an eyebrow or two. I'm pretty sure one of the final destillation flicks had a similar kill. Right, the bad. The detective handling the case played by Bo Svensson was a bit much. I thought the movie didn't need the angle of a crazed homophobic cop. He was such a creep he became the villain. Most of the direction was bland. Had a real TV movie look about it. <laughs> not not surprising really. Um, Jim McNeil was McNichol was just okay. It don't I don't think he was bad. It was just just okay. Some of the reveals at the end were odd. The secret room of the house made me roll my eyes back. The good I really liked this one. Susan uh, Tyrrell's performance was off the charts nutty. It was Joan Crawford good. This really made this was really her movie. Julia Duffy was new heart. Uh, from New Heart, played Billy's girlfriend, was 30 in real life. Fortune seemed uh, seemed a tad old, but who cares? Julie had a topless scene, so all is forgiven. A 27-year-old Bill Paxton plays Billy's basketball teammate who hates him. That's a storyline that didn't go anywhere, but it's fun to see Bill Paxton in 82. I'm kind of shocked this movie never made it to DVD. Here's to your new year, Rob. But that's not all. See, I didn't. I missed a little bit out about uh, in the, when I was doing all the, all the biogs and stuff like that. I didn't talk about Jim Nichol, and uh, Rob was kind enough to send me a little clip, which I, I'll play you with now. There, ladies and gentlemen, Christy and Jimmy McNichol.
I love you. Oh, you, you're all right too, Jim. Thank you so much. Hey, have I got something for you? Don't go away. There's more coming up. See, Jimmy was, uh, I think some, some in the English might not know this, but uh, he used to be in Little House on the Prairie and uh, Kool-Aid, you know, made adverts like Kool-Aid and stuff like that. He's really a child actor. And he's brother of the actress, uh, Kristen McNichol. Um, he was in Sunshine and, and that kind of thing. And, uh, and uh, I, he ended up um, kind of focusing more on... Um, on his own music, really, uh, and, and kind of moved off, moved away from acting. But uh, as you can hear from this clip, uh, from that clip, that he's uh, he was definitely really into into tracks, and that 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 was uh, actually featured both Jimmy and his sister Kirsty um, singing "He's a Dancer" on the Dick Clark special from 1978. So only. Uh, only three years before he made this film. So thanks a lot for that, Rob. That's uh, that's brilliant stuff, and uh, I, have, oh, I do love being able to play a um, play a good clip. And um, also, I mean, as you can tell, but uh, and, and, and some great comments there as well. I, I agree that the it, the the plot is quite conflicting, quite confusing, and, and it certainly isn't. It jumbles jumps between lots of different things. Well, for me personally, I think that's a, that's a plus for for it that it tries to do something a little different. It certainly marks itself out from from a lot of the other films that are on the list for, because of that. But uh, I, I do agree that you know I think so, I can understand why people would 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 kind of feel that it's just a bit too much. And certainly, as it is melodrama, it is very melodramatic, and obviously, and it does show its TV show direction roots. I think that's fair to say. Well, please tell me to. No one. Your old friend. Forget it. I'm your girlfriend. Honey. I won't go. Oh, I know you won't go. No problem. I know you won't go. Except trying to go. I put him down there where he belongs. With me forever. My rotten sister. She tried to take you away from me. I took care of her, too. Don't ever make me do that to you. You promise? I promise. So, if you'd like to leave a message for me, please do. My uh, my email is videonastiespodcast at gmail.com. You can get me on Twitter. That's at orange underscore monkey or you can get me on the website, videonastypodcast.com, and leave a, a comment on any of the articles that are up. Um, if you check there, there is a um, Christmas card and some links to a couple of films that I've uploaded that you can kind of you know download off the server and um, have for your tablet or smartphone. Uh, Don't Look in the Basement and a Driller Killer. Two films that we haven't yet reached yet, but uh, two very different and quite interesting movies as well. Thanks to everybody who's been in touch and contact with me, including Wolf, who emailed me again this week, and everybody on Twitter as well. Thank you so much for all. I get lots of uh, Follow Fridays on Twitter and ads and comments, and, and thank you all for that. It's been really, it's really great to kind of like push the, the podcast out there and kind of increase the number of people that uh, listen to it. Obviously, that's uh, quite useful. Um, next week is, uh, well, it actually marks kind of the halfway point. Um, 
in this project uh this is it it will it, it, you know we'll have less after next week we'll have less podcasts than we uh to do than we have that we've already done um and so why not better go for the one of the slightly bigger ones uh probably one of my my one of my favorites on the list it's certainly it's certainly in my top five of um the burning so until then take care and i'll speak to you soon goodbye seen a video nasty i wouldn't i have far too much how, how can you judge on video nasty? oh you've never seen one i actually don't need to see visually what i know is in that film Tell me, baby, are you a fang?